Hello, welcome back. This is MNEX's weekly podcast covering regulatory affairs. I'm James Paniki from MNEX's Asia-Pacific team, and it's great to be back in your feed. Today, we're off to Europe for what is shaping up as one of the continent's biggest financial scandals of the past few years. Payment processor Wirecard had been hailed as a German superstar in the world of financial services, with the company listed on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange and apparently destined for greater things. Then came an investigation by the Financial Times suggesting that all was not well at the company and as things stand, Wirecard has collapsed with its infamous 1.9 billion euro accounting black hole becoming emblematic of the failure of regulation and oversight with these concerns centering on Germany's financial regulator Baffin. The scandal has also placed the work of financial auditors under the spotlight and it's not the first time that the independence of the big four accountancy firms has been called into question. The Wirecard scandal has a long way to run yet, but we thought we'd give you a state of play as Europe adjourns for the summer holidays. Among those covering the scandal for MNEX are Jack Schickler, our senior financial services correspondent in Brussels, and Annie Robertson, one of our London-based bribery and corruption reporters. And I'm pleased to say that both of them are with me now. Jack, firstly, walk me through this story. Uh, What exactly was Wirecard? How did it wind up with such an extraordinary uh, hole in its balance sheet? So uh, Wirecard is one of Germany's uh, share success stories, really. It it grew from from basically nothing uh, to become one of the shares traded on the DAX 30, which is kind of the main stock exchange index, one of the 30 largest stock issuers in, in Germany. Um, so it's become a big company uh, with an international footprint, a lot of business in Asia, Singapore, mainly doing uh, processing payments, and it runs a small bank as well. Um, so it's in the financial service, financial technology sphere, and something that a lot of uh, German politicians are very proud of uh, as a kind of rare success story in that field. Well, they were very proud of it, presumably not so much anymore. Who do we blame for what happened? Just in a few words, Jack, who is ultimately to blame? Uh, there's a, a bunch of court cases going on right now resolving exactly what happened to this $2 billion and and why no one knew about it. But it's hard to escape the feeling that a lot of the German administration just saw its job as to protect this national darling rather than actually challenge it. So there are supposed to be several lines of defense against people presenting misleading information to the market. Um, There's supposed to be an auditor, which in this case was EY. There was supposed to be supervision of that auditor um, and supervision of the company itself, uh, both of which were done by the German financial regulator Baffin. And there's supposed to be all kinds of checks and balances uh, that make sure this kind of thing can't happen. And it looks like none of them were doing their jobs particularly effectively. And they can't say they weren't warned because these stories, at least as allegations, were printed on the front page of newspapers. Um, There were sources, presumably from within the company or who were watching the company closely, who knew there were issues and questions about uh, where lots of these spurious funds had come from. Uh, And they were published in the media. And yet regulators did nothing, or at least 
the only thing regulators did is to attempt to prosecute the journalists who produced the stories, arguing they were merely trying to manipulate Wirecard's share price, um, which in retrospect does not seem like a very sound move. There were also uh, problems with the patchwork of uh, regulatory oversight. I mean, there were different jurisdictions uh, different watchdogs. It, it was a complicated operation and therefore complicated to uh, to regulate, right? Sure. Well, the, the dodgy business that seems to have been the origin of, of this story um, took place in the Philippines and in Singapore. The bank element of Wirecard uh, was regulated by the German regulator Baffin. The payments element of Wirecard uh, was regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority in London because it was based in London. Uh, which was at the time an EU regulator and, and now isn't, of course. The money laundering aspects of Wirecard's business, which were obviously quite big in a payments firm, um, weren't even nationally regulated. They were regulated for various complicated historical reasons by um, a Bavarian institution. So th- there's really a patchwork of people, uh, none of whom seem prepared to fully take the blame for what went on. And that is going to be at least one of the many questions that get asked about the scandal uh, as as the wash-up occurs. And Jack, does this cast a shadow over other investments in Germany? I mean, will foreign investors now start to wonder whether or not their money is in fact being uh, protected by the regulators? Well, so far, it doesn't seem to have had a wide-scale impact on um, confidence in the German financial system it's still uh, you know, a reasonably well-regulated market. But there are at least some people who say, you know, if you're working in a small fi- financial technology company in Germany, um, you've lost a lot of trust overnight that it has taken years to build up. Um, a lot of international investors are certainly very angry about it. Commerzbank uh, released its results this week and said that it lost more on this one single default exposure than it had had to write down because of coronavirus. So that that shows you, you know, how big the hit was for some some of the people exposed to this company. And as I said, it's hard to escape the feeling that the German authorities turned a blind eye to this. They say they did everything that they were supposed to, uh, but clearly something went wrong. And unless that kind of loss of trust is addressed uh, through regulatory reforms, it's hard to see full confidence returning into the German system of financial reporting and audit. And it's certainly really hard to see that the EU is going to get its dream of a capital markets union, which is its name for uh, encouraging people to do more equity finance rather than loan finance, because the one thing you absolutely need before you put your money into shares is to know Where's your money going? What kind of business is it? What are its uh, headline figures? And so what might be the long-term consequences of this? Clearly, there is uh, an impact on, on investor confidence. But what about at a regulatory level, for example, what are likely to be the, 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 the take-home lessons for, for everyone here? Um, even at this early stage, a number of uh, regulatory reforms have already been mooted. One of the most obvious is of the audit sector, So people in Germany, but also the EU, are talking about reforms, some of which have already been made in the UK, like separating the audit function of companies like EY and KPMG from their consultancy uh, function um, so that, you know, these lucrative contracts they get from big companies don't sway their judgment in this supposedly impartial business. There's also talk of other audit uh, reforms like uh, making sure a company and an auditor can't be associated for more than, say, four or five years, and then they have to switch over. 
uh, or to have two sets of auditors called the four eyes principle on each set of books and also talk of heightening the powers of regulators. So that could be strengthening BAFIN, the national regulator, and actually giving it some uh, some of the powers it never had before, uh, or maybe even giving EU uh, supervisors the powers to check what's going on across the block. And, you know, some people have even talked about making the whole business of regulating capital markets in, uh, in a power for Brussels. So you'd hand ESMA in Paris uh, the uh, the the power to to check that capital market reporting was going on fairly and accurately. Okay, Annie, let's bring you into the conversation now. What are likely to be the criminal repercussions for Wirecard? What lies ahead uh, for the company and presumably its managers as well? Well, right now, Wirecard is under investigation by Baffin. In June, the regulator filed a criminal complaint against the payments company and its directors for misleading the financial statements, which ultimately led to its headquarters being raided by Munich prosecutors. Um, even before this, it, the Baffin had fired, fined Wirecard 1.5 million euros for failing to publish its half yearly results on time. Uh, lots of people were looking at as to why that might be, but in hindsight now, it's not hard to see why. Um, but from an executive level, the CEO, Marcus Braun, was also arrested last month in Germany on suspicions of falsifying the company's accounts and potential involvement in market manipulation. Um, Outside of Germany, a London-based hedge fund called TCI Fund Management has also filed a criminal complaint against Wirecard executives in Munich over accounting irregularities. So far, that's what we have. But given the the sheer scale of the scandal, it's, it's highly likely that there's going to be more complaints lodged by shareholders across the globe. And this will no doubt take a little while to percolate through the system. It's not going to, it's going to take some time before these cases are resolved, I, I, I assume. Yeah, absolutely. It can take years just to reach a resolution. And I think the issue here is that the money which they're trying to claw back doesn't exist. And um, the question, the first question that arises is, well, where, where else do you get it from? So I think at the, me- at the moment, they're trying to get a bit of restitution in, in that it wasn't their fault and that there is someone to blame here. And someone does need to answer responsibility. But, you know, the, just the sheer scale of the scandal, it is going to be very hard to see where this money will come from, because ultimately that's what they're looking for. Um, but, you know, from a criminal standpoint, I mean, the fines that you can imagine coming from this would be crippling. But again, uh, Wirecard has already uh, fallen into insolvency and there's, there's no money left. This brings us to the complex question that Jack alluded to, and that is the role of the company's auditor, EY, formerly Ernst & Young. So there's a €2 billion Euro, um, gap in, in the books. Uh, you assume an auditor would notice something like that, but EY clearly didn't. So what's in store for the firm? What does the future hold? Well, EY is also under formal investigation by Germany's audit regulator, APAS, um, it's examining all of its auditing work on Wirecard's account since 2015. And that's ongoing, so we don't have any um, updates on that so far. But if they do find substantial evidence that EY not only didn't see the um, accounting black hole, but in fact turned a blind eye to it, then that could result in criminal charges and again, a potentially huge fine. And where does all of this leave the shareholders? What recourse might they have at this stage, given that the, uh, the, the company is now insolvent? Well, 
honestly, the shareholders aren't in a good place. Um, I think they would be the first to admit it. So they started legal proceedings against the regulator in July for abuse of power over its alleged failure to identify the accounting scandal and also disregarding what they say were its legal duties to investigate suspicions of wrongdoing that Jack mentioned. You know, there was no shortage of suspicions and no shortage of reports in the press that something wasn't wasn't right here. Um, And actually, Baffin's president did acknowledge that the regulator may have been ineffective in preventing the scandal. But Baffin itself has claimed that it's actually legally exempt from liability claims and that it's therefore impossible for them to be sued by the shareholders. But Wirecard investors obviously think otherwise and are launching what they think and what they say is a novel legal case, which will prove that Baffin officials acted acted negligently in their dealings with Wirecard, which ultimately was one of the um, major points which led to its downfall. It's worth adding as well that Baffin may end up saved by the failings in the German regulatory system. Their argument is they did nothing wrong, they did everything they were supposed to. Clearly that wasn't enough, but there's quite a lot of evidence actually that Baffin never had enough powers to fulfil its functions. It doesn't have the power to order someone to correct a financial statement, Uh, it doesn't have the power to order someone to reissue a financial statement. It only gets involved in cases when this other separate body can't agree something amicably with the with the company. And it's been known to take a very legalistic approach, whereas actually you're talking about accounting and you're supposed to be preventing, presenting a uh, um, economic picture of the, the, the value of the company. Um, so, you know, their line that they did everything they were supposed to may well be uh, fully correct, although what happens still clearly leaves a, a very funny taste in the mouth. And Annie, so much for uh, Wirecard. Obviously, we, we realise that the company no longer has any money left in its coffers. But EY is, you know, one of the top four auditing firms in the world. I wonder what action, if any, shareholders might be able to take against the auditors. Well, uh, legal action against a a big four auditor is a road, uh, you know, frequently trodden. So the shareholders in this case, uh, that includes major financial companies that Jack mentioned earlier, um, have also filed a suit against EY accusing the auditor of fraudulent negligence. So they claim that EY's failure to verify the billions of euros of Wirecard's value, which ultimately wasn't there, led to a huge financial loss and that should have known the accounts were suspicious. It should have known that the accounts weren't right. And bearing in mind, this isn't just one um, one audit that they signed off on. This happened over, this occurred over a number of years. Um, and it, it's very hard to believe that they wouldn't have had some professional scepticism which would have led them to investigate further it seems from the outside that they just rubber stamped the audit to keep the company happy so what the shareholders you know what the shareholders may be able to prove is that ey was not necessarily a party to the accounting fraud because i don't think that they're going to succeed in getting that far but their failure to act as i mentioned about as i mentioned was similar with baffin led to the downfall of Wirecard, which could have been easily avoided if people had done their job in the first place. It's worth mentioning as well that there are actually statutory protections for auditors uh, that could end up saving EY's skin. So there is a German law that says the maximum liability you can have for uh, for failings on a, on a listed company's accounts is uh, 4 million euros, which uh, is a lot of money. But it's nothing like the two billion that got lost. And 
actually quite a lot of lawmakers uh, are now saying and have told me, you know, that's quite a small amount and maybe you need to look again at that legislation. Uh, but that will, if there is any change, that will probably um, come too late to matter for this particular case. Jack, Annie, it's been great talking. I'll catch you next time. Thanks. Thanks very much. Thank you. Annie Robertson covers bribery and corruption for MLEX from London and Jack Schickler is MLEX's senior financial services correspondent in Brussels. As always, you'll be able to find links to the very best of our journalism at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. Just click on the Insight Centre tab and it will all be at your virtual fingertips. That's it for this week. We'll be back with you again next Friday at more or less the same time. I'm James Paniki, MLEX's Asia-Pacific Senior Editor. Thank you very much for your company. Bye for now. Bye for now.